Makers of Sport Podcast, episode 98 with Sam Silverman. Welcome to episode 98 of the Makers of Sport podcast. I'm your host, Adam Martin, at T. Adam Martin on Twitter. My guest for this episode has made a name for himself in the fickle world of college football, like other notable characters from Youngstown, Ohio. However, his contributions to the game aren't so much on the field as a player or coach, but rather as an assistant director of creative media and branding at one of the nation's most historic and prominent football programs. This designer is constantly creating work that breaks outside of the cliche Photoshop-driven work as seen all over college sports. And his knack for strong typography-driven concepts, good composition, and subtle textures is often imitated in social sports design. His work has been featured on numerous sports properties, and he is the mastermind behind Brand U, the first ever in-house brand training program in collegiate athletics. I'm very happy to welcome to the podcast, Mr. Samuel Silverman, or you might know him as at Sammy Silv of the Ohio State University football program. What's up, Sam? Welcome aboard, man. What's up, Adam? Really appreciate you having me. This is a, an incredible opportunity and I feel like you need to introduce me anytime I walk in the room. <laughs> I actually get that a lot, man. It's one of those sayings that uh, you write these things out and, uh, and, and you get pretty good at, at reading this over time where I don't, uh, it doesn't sound like I'm reading. I've just learned to read <laughs> and then pretend like this is really coming from my brain. <laughs> but yeah, very glad to have you, man. Very glad to have you. Been following your work for a while. Um, Happy to be here. So I know that you've probably listened to a couple of these before, so you probably know the drill, uh, oh, yeah. but I like to you know, give the bird's eye view of your backstory. So why don't you tell us how you got into design and the creative disciplines in general, and sort of uh, just a, a bird's eye view of your path to your current role with the Buckeyes. Sure. Um, well, I mean, it all kind of, I mean, it, it definitely stems with my family. My family definitely comes from a creative background, um, starting with my mom. Uh, Janine, and then I definitely have gotten my work ethic from my mom and my dad. My dad, Mark Silverman, they are the hardest working people I know, uh, and just really taught us to to work for everything. Because I mean, LeBron James said it best, honestly, is that you know in, in Northeast Ohio, you know that's where I'm from, Youngstown, Ohio, not too far from Akron. Um, you know, he he did a little monologue where everything is earned and nothing is given. Um, so that's kind of, you know, that, that's been my mindset, uh, just working harder. You know, you're not necessarily always the smartest person in the room, but you can always be the hardest worker and outwork everyone. And that's actually something that my older brother, Sean, uh, Sean Silverman, who's the uh, senior vice president of marketing for or marketing and brand events for Comedy Central has taught me. And he's been a, a big mentor, a big role in my life as well. Um, and just to finish off the family, uh, I have a twin sister named Jacqueline Silverman who got her master's in studio arts, specializing in photography, who is working um, as a photographer in Chicago. And then my little brother, Jacob Silverman, will be here 
Yeah, actually, at Ohio State this fall, and he's an aspiring video game designer. He wants to design video games. He's obsessed with it. So, um, you know, we all kind of have a little creative juice flowing, so it's always good to get together. Um, But it's actually funny because my mom tells me this all the time from, uh, you know, where I'm at now. She always, it it always blows her mind because when I was in preschool, uh, I was tasked with uh, doing some type of finger painting and from, I don't really remember this, but I do have the original finger pr- painting framed in my room is that the teacher wanted, uh, you know, us to, to work with finger paints. And I guess I refused. Um, I did not want to do it. And she was like, you got to do something. So what I did was literally, uh, draw the, the letter S all over the canvas. That's all I did. It was just the S in a million different ways. And I was like, here you are, you know, that, that's what I got for you. Um, so I guess that's kind of what sparked it all. And my, and my mom tells me that story all the time and I have it, uh, friends in my room, like I said. Um, but then growing up, uh, you know, I, I really actually found a knack for drawing. I loved drawing. Um, I love doing those, like, remember those like half and half where you would like cut out like half a magazine and then draw the other oh, half. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So I I was like obsessed with doing those. I remember doing like a Kevin Garnett, like got milk ad that was in like, in in like the old East Bay magazines or sports illustrated for kids, something like that. And um, I would always do that. And then I got into like drawing, like I always got like the how to draw, like whether I think I have like a Simpsons one, like a weird alien, alien spaceships one. Yeah. I think I have a superhero one. Yeah, I'm probably, I'm sure I have that too, where I'll just go step by step and just continue on doing that. And I was like, you know, I really fell in love with that. Um, and, you know, throughout high school, you know, that's what I really focused on too, was just drawing. I'll take every art class. You know, we didn't have anything remotely close to design or like digital media. There wasn't any type of like Photoshop. I remember when I first did like Photoshop, I think it was like Photoshop, like 7.0 or something. Mm-hmm. But I remember my older brother when he was in, cause he's like seven years older than me and he went to Ohio state as well. I remember he did like what I called like the sin city look where everything was black and white, but like yep. the color red was, uh, was isolated. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember like, oh, that's well. so uh-huh. cool. But yeah. So, and I remember I started doing that and that was kind of like my first taste of Photoshop. Um, but in, yeah, in high school I was drawing a lot. I didn't really know what I wanted to do, uh, after that. I didn't know what I wanted to major in or how I could utilize my artistic and creative skills as a career. Um, cause I didn't want to like do like fine arts, um, and nothing against that. I just, I didn't feel like, um, you know, painting and drawing all the time. I wanted something like a little bit more, um, you know, that had a little more like technical and like, um, I guess like problem solving. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I remember I was, I was watching like the fast and the furious movies. And I got like obsessed with cars. Um, like I love, then I like, I started playing Need for Speed Underground and that was just like my favorite game ever at the time. And I was like, man, I want to design like the body kits for cars. Like I didn't want to design how cars work. Like I, right. like I thought about mechanical engineering. I was like, maybe that's how I get into this is designing cars. And then the more so I learned about mechanical engineering, I was like, ah, that doesn't seem like I would be drawing anything. Yeah. Besides, yeah. Like diagrams. You were more into the, the aesthetics. The aesthetic, correct. Um, so when I was thinking about that, I was like, I was researching, I was in this class where you actually are just like researching what major kind of fits you. I think it was like my junior year of high school. And I actually stumbled upon graphic design and stumbled upon, you know, industrial design uh, sketches. 
and seeing like people sketching sneakers. And at the same time, I was obsessed with cars. I also am obsessed with sneakers. Uh, you know, like I have this photo of myself in second grade with the Air Jordan 13s. He got game, uh-huh. uh, like the Ray Allen ones. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure. I mean, we talked about this a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fellow sneakerhead, so you you get that reference, right? Uh, uh, so I. Uh, you know, whether it was cars or sneakers, like that's what I wanted to draw. That's what I wanted to design. Um, I thought that that would be so cool and that like fits my skill set very well. Um, so after, you know, seeing that, I, I knew I really wanted to go to either, uh, after researching what schools have industrial design, um, you know, Ohio State was one of them, Cincinnati was one of them uh, with their DAP program. Yeah. Uh, like, I know that program well. Yeah, DAP is one of the top schools yeah. in the country for sure. Like for yeah, the they were like they were like number one or two. I think it was always like like RISD and DAP. Um, Ohio State's industrial design program was was definitely like in like the top ten. I think it was like seven when I applied. Um, so like I, I found that major, and then I blindly uh, went. Or that, so I, I found out I got into OSU um, in like December. So I was still. Um, that you could still do what's called the entrance exam. So if you want to pursue a career, or, uh, I'm sorry, a uh, major in design for OSU, they have this entrance exam, and it's basically just like a huge, uh, a huge like test of of writing and drawing and all this stuff. Um, so so they could get you into the program, or you know, if not, you only can take the test two times in a lifetime. So if you failed twice, then you cannot pursue design as a major at Ohio State, which is a lot of pressure because I went in blindfolded, had no idea what like design necessarily was because I came from such a fine art background that I just took the test. Like I think one of the the tasks was like uh, draw a step-by-step um, illustration of how to build an igloo without using any words. And I was like, what the heck? Like, how do I even, I don't even know where to begin <laughs> with that. So I yeah. just guessed, um, didn't get in the first time uh, so then there was like a lot of pressure cause it's like the only thing I really wanted to do. Right. Um, so then when I got into Ohio state and I practiced and like took, took the intro to design classes, uh, then I realized I was like, Oh, I was doing this all completely wrong. So then I, I realized like what they were looking for. Um, and then took the entrance exam and it's, it's, I mean, it's very rigorous, very competitive as with like any program. Um, even outside of design where I think there, I heard there was like 70 or a hundred like applicants and they only selected like 15 to 17 people. Wow. Uh, So then the, yeah, it was really like nerve wracking. So I remember just being up all night, like making sure everything was good, uh, the night before and submitted it, sweating bullets. And then eventually got the email saying I got in, which was just incredible. And that's kind of, you know, what led me, um, to a design, uh, you know, career where I really love industrial design and, and the idea of problem solving through a creative process as I've, you know, gotten more mature and, and understood design history and the design process more, um, working on group projects, uh, and like, you know, talking with the experts and, and our professors. And yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I didn't even, I thought my portfolio was okay when I was applying to internships. I didn't think it was like spectacular from, people I've seen on the internet or even classmates that could just draw like, you know, I thought I could draw well. And then I got into this program and I realized I was a very small or very, yeah, very small fish in a big pond where everyone else. What did the, uh, what the portfolio consist of? Was it like sketches of physical products or what? 
Yeah. So the, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's really what like a lot of people are looking for. So the portfolio is how I showed it was, you know, the, uh, a few select projects going from the research, identifying the problem, um, you know, the concept sketches, showcasing my process, and then some more like refined sketches. And, you know, eventually once I got into um, classes where we did, you know, 3D modeling and form study and, pro- and prototyping with, with foam and uh, building stuff in the wood shop, you know, those are all the things that you're showing. But honestly, like a lot of these people like really, really care about the sketches um, like they all get like, okay, you research really well. You identified the problem. That's great. Like, show me the good stuff. Like, that's what I kept hearing. Like, show me your sketches. And I was kind of like, uh, I was not the highest on my sketches. They probably could have been a lot better if I spent more time on them. Um, but yeah, that's really what the portfolio consisted of. And I actually landed zero internships out. Like when I, when I uh, graduated, I had zero internship experience in any design field. I mean, I was like doing some some freelance stuff for some friends, a buddy of mine and, uh, uh, and myself started uh, a clothing company, really just t-shirts. We were both sneakers. So we just, you know, I designed some t-shirts that matched our shoes and we would just sell them to like our fraternity brothers. We were in Sigma Alpha Mu, also known as Sammy. So yeah, I've got <laughs> all the names, yeah, Sam from Sammy, Sammy from Sammy, all that stuff. Um, but anyways, we, we launched a t-shirt company called J spot me and, uh, his name's Andrew Kitts Miller. Uh, and it was just some fun and I, and I really loved and enjoyed that, like creating like the logo for that and, cre- and, you know, not even thinking about it being like a big brand or anything like that, just having fun with it. Um, so yeah, like zero internship experience. Uh, I was working at a pizza shop. So when I graduated, uh, I, I was still working at the pizza shop had zero internship experience. Uh, you know, my dream was to work for, for Nike, but you know, I had really, I had sneaker sketches, but I didn't really have anything sturdy or anything that I was confident to show. So I was trying to, you know, create some sneaker projects, you know, on the side that weren't necessarily a part of my, um, you know, my studies or my major, uh, you know, my time at OSU. Um, and then when I graduated, I got an email from the design department saying, you know, this is at the same time when, when Herbert Coach Urban Meyer was hired, uh, that they were looking for a volunteer designer to help with the recruiting department. Uh, and it was really just like a volunteer based design opportunity where, you'd be working for free for a few hours a day, come in, you know, do what's needed, you know, make some, some really interesting, cool marketing pieces. So the program can get showcased in the brightest light, sending them to the recruits physically and then also digitally on social media. So I, I jumped at that opportunity because I was like, Hey, my dream is to work for Nike. I think Ohio State, since they are a Nike sponsored school, could be a way in. Right. Um, and this could be just a great networking opportunity. And not just a Nike sponsor school, but like one of the top, you know, I mean, they're going to obviously experiment with stuff with Ohio State as opposed to just some random mid-major. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, that's, I thought it was a great opportunity. Um, you know, regardless if it was paid or not, I just, I needed some, some working experience because I like, had none. So the rest was really history after that. I, you know, I started working there. Um, and then at the, the same time I was working for a startup and I gained a lot of experience with the startup as well, just on like the business side of things. And yeah, my, I was transitioning from product design and going from 3d modeling and sketching all the time. And I mean, I still sketch cause I love to sketch, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, just that like product design driven mindset now into a graphic design and then taking a step back and looking at 
you know, yeah, just like the whole overarching branding aspect from a visual standpoint and seeing how that all worked and what makes that successful for big brands and how, you know, best they communicate that type of content, how I can best communicate Ohio State's content. And that's like really what clicked with me. And I, I, I really fell in love with, with doing graphic design and, and just like everyone else, you know, self-taught, you know, did the YouTube tutorials, learned Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign. I mean, I did that a sparingly in school because with product design, you're not really doing too much in those programs. You're mainly working in like SolidWorks and CAD programs and then putting it all together. Like the only time I was really using Photoshop and stuff was like put together a portfolio, you know, same with like InDesign. Um, yeah, the rest is really history. I fell in love with graphic design um, and just like the whole visual communication piece. And, you know, here I am today where I've just been always trying to create new avenues of work for myself, you know, trying to not, you know, be stale at work, not be known as like just the graphics guy at work. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that seems to be that seems to be a common thread for like marketers that look at look at the people that are doing the graphic stuff. I hate the word graphics. It just it drives me nuts. <laughs> like I associate the word <laughs> graphics, I guess, with like um like, I don't know, people doing like vinyl car graphics or something. And not so much like <laughs> graphic design. <laughs> yeah, right. So like, I always associate like graphics to me was like, oh, the new Xbox has like way better graphics. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. So that's uh, you're. How old are you, man? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, twenty-seven. To be twenty-eight on July fourth. Okay. All right. I'm probably your brother's age. I'm thirty. I just turned thirty-five. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, no. So, but we would still be kind of in that same there's like that sort of 10 year gap where there's a lot of stuff was just sort of like similar things that we probably grew up with. But, um, yeah, I mean, I remember like, uh, playing, playing video games and you're like, Oh, the graphics on this, they're so awesome. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so like, that's kind of where, I, you know, I mean, I'll take, Hey, I'll take graphics over edits any day. So. Oh, a hundred. Yeah. A thousand percent. <laughs> so what's funny, like you're actually the second person I've had on the show that started out as a sneaker loving industrial designer or industrial design track, you know, degree, and then transition into a graphic designer. The other one, I don't know if you listen to that, to that episode or not, but was Britt Davis of the Atlanta Falcons. Yep. So yeah, industri- funny I was just going to say it's funny because I was listening to her and I was like, crap, like we have such a similar story. I'm not really, <laughs> you know, I, she's, she's the first industrial designer. And then our stories like overlap so much in terms of career path. Yeah. And I was like, oh man. Uh, beat me to the punch there. Well, what I find, so I, you probably know from that one, and obviously we we've had a bunch of discussions off off uh, offline about um, just sneaker design and our love of sneakers and all that. But industrial design yeah. is kind of like that major that it's like it's like the one that got away for me. So anytime I get a chance to talk to somebody that majored in industrial design, I'm like I always want to pick their brains about every single thing because um, <laughs> you know it's just it's just the, it's like I said it's the one that that I probably should have done that I didn't do. But, you know, I think uh, in a sense that this is why I love just the word design in general, because design is kind of that word that sort of transcends all mediums. Um, right. You know, like good design is good design, right? Like there's an aesthetic value to it and there's like a strategic objective to it. Um, and then right. there's all, of course, yeah, there's like, the fine art principles of composition and, and that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it's even like, uh, like I've even talked to like Brandon more about this because yeah, you know, he's been promoting like his his uh, like manifesto about like I can't rem- remember it word for word, but he he said it really well about like it's like good design is like artfully done something along along the lines like that. Sorry for butchering it, uh, Brandon. But you know, yeah, it's like design. It, it should be like 
it should be the like relationship of, of obviously it's going to be aesthetically pleasing, but also like, you know, solving some type of problem as well. You know, whether that is communicating a message or, you know, in the product design world, you know, speaking to ergonomics and, and the user experience, like how is this fit in the mold of a, you know, how is the molding fit in the hand? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how is this better than its predecessor and, and whatnot? So uh, I'm curious, like what, what types of things were you able to take from that? And as you moved into graphic design, like I'm assuming that you weren't learning about typography and stuff like that, right? Like where did you kind of get that right. discipline? Cause your typography skills are, are top notch. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, that's kind of like, you know, and it took me a while because I look back at my work and I'm, I know everyone else does. But you look back, I mean, I'll even take a, a look back at thing, things I did last week. and I'm like, what the heck was I thinking? Um, but like, I look back at my other work when I first started working here and it's like, God awful. Just like heavy textures. Uh, I mean, there's still, like some like cool looking pieces like, oh, this guy, like I lit him on fire today. Uh, you know, this guy was shooting lightning bolts out of his eyes, but like, I didn't really know like what the purpose was. It was just, I, I felt like I was, you know, just like kind of following trends and just, you know, doing a lot of like composite design where it's just like, heavy layers and manipulation and all that, which is right. like fun. And there's definitely a space for that. And I see some like great, you know, artists and designers that do stuff like that. Um, but yeah, with, with industrial design, like what I took away was one, um, you know, I, I actually took the only graphic design class I took and I actually had to get approved for it was a typography class. And it was learning like the history of different, um, you know, typefaces and, and family and like font families. And I really enjoyed that as well. So that's always kind of been like in my back pocket is something that I really like love and appreciate was just the art of typography. And even just like, you know, people who, who, you know, back in the day, graphic designers were doing it all by hand. And, you know, that's something that, that I really love. But with industrial design, I think what I took away most was the design process and just, you know, being able to know how to do research, um, whether that is going out in the field and like, you know, just observing things, like getting away from what, what was best with, with industrial design was like getting away from your computer um, and not like looking on like the hands or anything like that for inspiration, but like going out and just like, for me, exploring Columbus, like seeing architecture, seeing, you know, different products and different stores and, you know, how they feel and like just picking them apart, uh, you know, how they arrive at this solution. Uh, so just, you know, whether it's observations or even interviewing people like valuable research, you know, that's what we brought here to us. Like we interview a lot of people just, uh, you know, a lot of even just like players and recruits about content and stuff like that, just to have that type of data, um, whenever it needs to present itself, you know, whether it's the coaching staff and what, or, or whatnot, but, you know, so like the design process is something that I really took away from me and then definitely sketching. Like if I, with, when you're a product designer, you are sketching so much. Like the, you have a class that is dedicated to sketching. I remember like some of the first uh, um, assignments was literally draw a straight line like 500 times. So it was like, like put a dot on the left side, put a dot oh, on the man. right side and then connect it. It's like the most simple thing can be so brutal. Oh yeah. And like, you know, I, the teacher I had, his name's Professor Scott Shim for our sketching class. And he's like super talented at, at sketching as well you know, he would be up at like the chalkboard doing like these perfect circles and these straight lines. So like, you know, he's not even like drawing like downwards, like he's like parallel with himself. So that was even more impressive. 
Um, and then he would show us videos of like guys where, you know, you're basically like how to achieve these like really straight and like perfect line work and like different line weights to show like depth and, and perspective. Uh, you know, guys would like basically you visualize it first where like you do like a motion of a circle with your hand and then you put your pencil on paper and like, I'm, it's like, it's so like nerve wracking. Like, I don't want to screw this up. Cause like, that was another assignment was draw a circle like 500 times. So it's really all about, you know, it's like working out it's muscle memory. Yeah. So you're really getting your, your muscles in, in tune with things and um, getting them comfortable with, with those types of shapes. So that's what I really took away too, which is, you know, figure, uh, you know, sketching where like, you know, when I can, I like to sketch out, you know, compositions just to determine like the spacing and the hierarchy and the balance and harmony and all of that. Um, and that was the other thing was just like design history and like design principles, you know, looking at, at really like renowned industrial designers, people who kind of like paved the way, like Dieter Rams, and, like his oh, yeah. you know, principles of design, um, like the Bauhaus movement. Um, you know, I really fell in love too with like the Swiss movement, like Swiss typography yep. mm-hmm. where like one of my, one of my first design classes as well was, was about layouts and just all about layouts. So that's really what I was taking with me. And it took me until like now to really figure that out and go back to that. Like, you know, when I was looking, you know, across, across like the, the, just the market and seeing what everyone else is doing and not even in college sports, but just like, you know, design and then like sports design as well. You know, what, like, what was my, like, I didn't, I, I felt like I didn't really have like my own style and whatnot. So like, I was like, I really want to just go back to my roots um, I don't want to like light any more people on fire yeah. um, or have like the field like crumbling before them or whatnot. Not, nothing against that. I yeah. Just, yeah. And we've, we've all done it. Right. I mean, it's just, yeah, sort of, totally. it's a rite of passage or something in sports. <laughs> yeah. Like you have to ma- manipulate this guy to have like three heads before you can move on to typography. Yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I went back and was just like going through my old work and I was like, man, I used to like love typography and, how like type can speak for itself and how, you know, just type in general lends itself as a shape. I mean, that's how we read words is, you know, there's that like one paragraph that's like, it's, it's one of those paragraphs where it's like scrambled, but like all the words are scrambled, but you can still read it because if it's like the first letter and the last letter in the same place, right, right. they normally are, you can read the word because you identify it as a shape and not necessarily like reading each individual letter. So that's what really kind of sparked me to, focus on typography and really let the type speak for itself and utilize white space and just going back to the foundation and the roots of these design principles of, you know, proximity of how the eye can connect the dots, even if information is not necessarily there. Just like, uh, you know, like the, not the wrestling WWF logo, but the worldwide or world wildlife foundation logo with that Panda. Oh, right. Right. You know what I'm yeah. talking about? The, mm-hmm. So yeah. like how your eye connects that. And that was always intriguing to me. So like, that's what I try to express through my work is, you know, one, it, it lends itself to create this like fluid yet consistent style where the more I look at, you know, what makes a successful brand from a brand identity and visual language standpoint was, um, you know, having this consistent style that can also be fluid um, and flexible where not everything necessarily looks exactly the same, but everything should feel the same where, you know, I always talk about how, uh, I don't necessarily want the Ohio State logo to be like that noticeable or shown on the pieces. Like I tuck it away in the corner mm-hmm. with a purpose like that. It's that 45 degree corner cut and the 45 degree cut is inspired by our block O, which is a 40, you know, every cut on the block O is 45 degrees. So it's that those simple little 
elements, those secondary assets that just, um, you know, reinforce the brand, reinforce the brand visually. So when people see that, they don't necessarily need to see the Ohio State logo to know it's Ohio State content because social media and like, like the main place where we're posting all this content is just so cluttered and noisy. So like, how do we elevate ourselves from that? This is awesome, man. It's actually really been really interesting to hear that because you can totally tell by some of your most recent stuff that you're going back and revisiting some of those concepts uh, or some of those um, uh, theories on, on typography, as you were mentioning, like Swiss typography and Bauhaus and that type of stuff. And even just to hear the uh, the way that you utilize the angle down in the bottom corner. I mean, that's not something that I think most people will just notice right off the bat, but to hear that that type of thought is put into it, like to me, this is the, the coolest part about design and talking to designers. And I think if, if you can have a conversation with someone and they can explain in the detail that you just did, then, then to me, that's like the difference between like who a good designer is and a person that just like cranks stuff out and throws it on the page because there's thought put into it. And I think that's the biggest problem with like sports design as a whole is a lot of people kind of see it as just like a skill, like, Oh, you learn, you learn how to write and then you learn graphic design because it's just another skill you add to your arsenal. And, and I've just never viewed it as that. Like, yeah, you could learn Photoshop, but you know, there's, there's so much more to this. I mean, I would actually, you, you should probably, I mean, maybe you have, maybe it's on your behance and I just haven't seen it, but man, you should build out a case study with that on your website or something that talks about, um, you know, the reason why you did the angles of the logo and all that. Um, I think that is a fantastic story right there. Like that is a great case study um, for, Thank for you. people to view. I, I'm, I might just go and do that. But yeah, I, I would definitely never expect anyone to be like, oh, that, that why he does that 45 degree cut because of the blocker. Like that's just not obvious at all. Um, well, and that's, a, that's an attention to detail thing that's so awesome because um, – like, you know, I don't know if you've heard the, uh, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, so I'm, I'm going to uh, mess this quote up, but there's the whole thing with Steve Jobs and Steve Jobs' dad was a carpenter. And he was talking about how um, you want the inside of the shelf or the cabinet or whatever you're building to be just as beautiful as the outside. And so the question was like, but why no one's going to see the inside? And, the, and his dad was like, but you will, you'll know it's there, right? So like, don't halfway do any of it. No, that's so funny you say that because so I actually, my girlfriend, uh, her name's Samantha Chismart, um, and we've been there for, for almost three years now, and she actually got- um, Sam and Samantha. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to change your logo, man. You got the double S. <laughs> it's nope, like it works okay. for both. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she actually got me this, because I just finished up, uh, over the summer I finished up uh, Shoe Dog, and I know I've talked to you about this, so like the story of Nike by- Phil Knight, who I actually met, and I, I've never been more nervous or starstruck to meet someone. Like, like, I, like, I mean, I'll admit I was a little starstruck meeting Coach Meyer for the first time, and now it's just like, you know, we're, we're colleagues. Yeah, yeah, uh, which is really cool to say, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, and he's, he's so great about this, like he, and we can talk about that later. But, um, but yeah, when I met Phil Knight, I was just like so nervous and starstruck because like he – like just Nike inspired me to do all this and just to like hear how it formed. And, um, you know, to meet him, I was like, I just want to say thank you. You inspired me to even like be here and do what I do. Um, so that was really cool. Um, but anyway, so after I read that, I wanted to read like more interesting biographies and Steve jobs is one that I'm trying to read right now. It's definitely a little longer than shoe dog. So, but I remember reading that part 
That's really cool that you said that. Yeah, I think I actually did. I did. I bought the print book, and it's so thick, man. And then I ended up. Yeah. I finished it out with like an audio book. I kind of did a little of both. It was like a, a mix and match. Yeah, I might need to do that. Um, <laughs> I'm but, a very slow reader. So. But you know, and you're. I think when I was probably. I would say maybe 25, I started really getting into biographies of business people, of designers, of inspirational people. And and that's, um, so actually that same author wrote a, um, uh, his name's Walter Isaacson, and he just released another book on, I mean, look here, uh, on Leonardo da Vinci. And I've heard a lot about this one too, where that's another one of those that's kind of like, legendary in terms of like just getting deep into Leonardo da Vinci's thoughts and understanding how he looked at the world. Cause to me, that's the, that's one of the interesting pieces about studying these people because one, like we each have our differing viewpoints on our, our differing sort of worldview, the way we view things. And then you can almost find pieces from other, other people and compose build out your view of the world, right? That sort of aligns with, well, I'm, I'm really into sports, but I also like art, you know? And, and for years, like most of us that were like that, there, was, there were no platforms, there was nothing. You know, you were just like the weird kid, right? Like you were talking about being, <laughs> yeah. you, were talking about, you were talking about being in a fraternity. So yeah. I, yep. remember, um, I remember when I, so when I was in school, I, was a, a bachelor, I got a Bachelor of Fine Arts and Graphic Design. I remember, going to, I remember going to my drawing classes carrying this massive, you know, uh, yep, wooden, I, I what know do they call exactly. those things? I can't even think of it, but it's like that brown paper bag looking thing. <laughs> Yeah, like and, I had one of those. I think I upgraded to like more like a fabric one. Okay, yeah. I should have too, man. I had the, I had that one. My portfolio bag that could carry my huge like T square and cutting board. Yeah, and, yeah. And you go to like your sketching classes. You got this massive thing and this huge these huge pieces of paper. I, I never did really understand why we had to make everything so big. It was like, why can't we just carry a little sketchbook and it would be so much easier. <laughs> I love my little, like, I have like a million moleskins that I love versus like, yeah, I remember like, I'd have these like, uh, like 18 by 24 sketch pads. And it's like, Jesus. Yeah. So one of the things I was going to get at was that I was always, you know, I, I was in a fraternity too. And when I was with my like fraternity brothers or whatever, standing, you know, hanging out after where, uh, you know, where we're going to eat or whatever, I'd be carrying all my art stuff. And it's like, they're clowning you for all that. Cause like, man, you're just like the weird art kid, you know? And then when <laughs> you go to the art classes, you're like the frat kid, you know, they're like, Oh, we don't yeah. like you either, man. You're like, so you never really fit in, you know? Oh, so funny. Yeah. I'm definitely like overlap with that. Um, yeah, like I'm, I'm usually, I mean, out of my like friend group, I'm probably like the only one who like was drawing all the time and, and stuff like that. And then, yeah, you get into design class and like, it's like, oh, you're, you're a frat bro. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> go party. Yeah, no, I totally get it, man. So let's, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about Ohio State some, man. I know, uh, you, you're really kind of at the, um, I think you were probably one of the first people that I heard of that was doing like the whole recruiting design thing. Cause you know, this mm-hmm. discipline didn't exist for a long time. So you're really at the forefront of this entirely new discipline of college football recruiting design. And I mean, you've gotten a ton of press over the years from it. Um, when did you kind of realize that this whole, that you were essentially in a way creating a profession, right? In the business of design or in this niche of design? Yeah. Um, so my one industrial design professor is named Dr. Noel Mayo, and he always said something that stuck with me. And like our, we had like a professional class where we, like one of our tasks was design your personal logo, 
um, and then like business cards and all like the, the assets around it, which is actually the logo that I still represent. Surprisingly, like I've thought about redesigning a million times now that I, I actually know how to design logos or at least I think I know how to design. And I just, I'm still like, in love with it. like it just, it's just, is me. It, um, but anyways, he always said something that, that stuck with me and he was like, you know, you can go off to Nike where like thousands and thousands of people are applying and it's going to take you so long to like work your way up. And cause you're going to be such a small fish in a big pond. Um, but where you can really make a difference is a business that like needs design and design thinking and someone who knows the design process, you know, it doesn't matter what type of industry that is, you know, you can go up to a manufacturing plant or like someone that, you know, makes tools and are trying to sell tools, but they don't have the right marketing collateral or like sales decks that can, you know, really have people buy into that, you know, like you can, you can do that. Um, or like, that's how you can like climb up the ladder the quickest. And that's what stuck with me. It's like, you can climb up the ladder much quicker in an area that really needs it versus an area that already has it. So when I was doing that, I actually met with him after I was like, after like a year into the internship and I was showing him, I was like, look, professor, like I went a different route. I'm now a graphic designer. Uh, I hope you're not disappointed. And he was like, and I was showing him my work, what I'm doing. I was like, I don't really see too many people doing that. So I, like, I see that there like might be a niche to like a niche to this and that like, you know, I could really make something of this, at least, you know, from my research, I wasn't seeing it too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, he's like, no, like you are totally like onto something here. Like this could be something really valuable if you just like own this space and like continue to like keep improving and, and get better and like prove the value and prove the worth of what you're doing rather than making like cool Photoshop edits, but like teach people like about design. That's why, you know, just, you know, even like that small piece, like the corner cut, which I explained to like everyone in this building, why it's like that and why I always do that. And they're always like, Oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. But yeah, it's like, I always ask people like, what's the why? Like, why are you, why does it look like this? Um, you know, how do you justify your work? So with, with that being said, yeah, he was like, yeah, yeah, I think you're really onto something. And after doing it and then like going from just Ohio state driven designs to like personalized people where I started Photoshopping recruits heads on other players' bodies, which is really weird to do. And players will walk down and be like, that's really weird that that guy's head is on my body. (laughs) (laughs) It helps us get them and win a national championship, whatever. Um, so I started doing that and like, yeah, like some press came with it. Um, and I was like, this is like really interesting. Uh, and then just like always thinking of like different ways to improve just like the design areas within college recruiting, like, okay, like we did, you know, we're promoting the program. We're doing it in cool ways. And like eventually went from graphic design where we added, you know, video with the hiring of, of my boss, uh, Zach Swartz, um, who's the, uh, director of creative media and post-production, uh, who's also just, you know, the leadership he has in our, in our group is awesome. Cause you know, he entrusts us uh, for us with everything to just, you know, own our space. But, but yeah, uh, you know, like I said, going from graphic to video and, and really flushing out this whole like recruiting aspect uh, from a creative media standpoint. Uh, it's just really interesting to see how it kind of just took off. And, you know, there's, there's definitely like programs that are doing, you know, the same thing, not, not that we like started anything, but it, I just saw like more and more big football programs and like then eventually like big basketball programs doing like these in-house, almost like creative agencies where everyone's just pumping out content internally uh, or not internally uh, through an in- internal team. 
Um, so it's just really crazy and awesome to see how that kind of just like to really like witness the recruiting design industry with college football and then eventually just college sports in general just take off and form itself. But the thing I want to do is just always figure out like what's like the next best greatest thing. You know, we did the, the graphics, we're doing the videos, we did the personalized uh, graphics, you know, to show the recruits love and really just like show them like visually, this is how you will look like, this is what, this is like, we're trying to visualize your future for you so you can see it and, and actually live it eventually. Um, and then that kind of, that, that sparked what we uh, publicized the other week, which was brand you, which is something I'm so proud of and so happy of the like overwhelmingly positive responses that it's received so far. Yeah, man. And I, and you know, I definitely, I definitely want to get into that. Um, I do want to kind of discuss a little bit like you, you've, um, you yourself have also been pretty good about, uh, self, self-promotion, right? And I think there's, it's one of those things that can be like a fine line on like what's braggadocious versus like what's self-promo. Cause I mean, to be honest, like we do live in a world where you have to, t- I've, I've heard this like multiple theories on this where, where someone will say you have to tell your own story cause no one else is going to do it for you in a, in a way, right? Cause for the most part, yep. what we do as designers is a very thankless task in the grand scheme of things. And especially as a designer, you know, I would imagine in house, right? Cause you know, a lot of the recruiting work, nobody's even seeing except for the recruits, right? Like you're an audience of one on that, which to me just right. blows my mind. Um, but, but so how do you personally, um, sort of navigate that, that fine line between um, h- how you tell your own story and kind of get your own work out there? Because like I said, it's something that we absolutely have to do. But there's also that uh, aspect in this particular world that we're living in for of design where one can obviously overdo it, right? And every single thing they post is me, 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 me. Look at me, look at me, right? Totally. Yeah, yeah. And I like, you know, if you ever get to know me, you know, like I'm a, I try to be as humble as possible. I think humility is such a great characteristic and core value. I actually reached out to uh, Joe Bosek, you know, who I've always admired from afar, but, you know, after, you know, joining the makers of sport community, I had a chance to reach out to him. So I was like, why not? Um, And I just, I praise him. I was like, I think it's amazing how like humble you are and you do such fantastic work that is seen all over the place. So I try to, you know, just remain humble. And, and even with the self-promotion, like one thing I would never do is being like, um, like working in Photoshop right now, like everything I make is fire or like, you know, I make the best things in the world. And, you know, I see some people like doing that and it's, it's not unnecessary attention. Right. Um, because your work should speak for itself. And that's, you know, what Joe was telling me too. Um, and that's what I try to do. Like I, I've been, and that's what I've been preaching through this like brand new program is that, yeah, like your brand is what story you're telling. Like you control the narrative. So if people are saying, oh, Sammy Silver on Twitter is so cocky and arrogant, you know, then I, it's up to me to prove that wrong because I'm not cocky and arrogant. Right. Oh, if you actually meet me. So that's not my brand. Um, but yeah, like I, I will self promote because I want people to know, you know, the work that I'm, that I'm putting out. Uh, and I've, you know, organically, like I've never really even reached out to other schools or companies for opportunities, but organically they're like, Hey, saw your work on Twitter. It's great. Like, would you like be open to talking about an opportunity here? Mm-hmm. So, you know, so promotion, but in the sense of, you know, one edge, like I always like to, to educate too on like, 
you know, why I'm doing things, just your why. And I'm trying to get better at that where I don't necessarily want to promote my stuff just to promote it. And so like, this is what I did. I want to, I want to get into more like the why yeah. I created this piece or like why it looks like that. So that's something I want to get better at and doing. Cause you know, I think, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I want it to be more so educational. So if, if I can inspire anyone to get into the field of design or, you know, think more about why they're doing what they're doing and why it looks like a certain way in any facet of design, then, you know, that's great. And that's all I'm really trying to do. So uh, actually that whole why aspect, um, we, we kind of, in the, in the mainstream field of design, I know that you probably know this, uh, sports design is also, oftentimes it's looked at as like kind of a joke, right? And a lot of us that have been yeah. working in sports have been doing that for years. Joe Bosack has dealt with that his whole career. Todd Radom, the same way. Um, it's, it's like sports designers, they don't win the big awards from the mainstream design publications or you're not going to see right. a like print magazine or the massive uh, industry or illustration websites or whatever that are going to talk about sports designers because they tend to just fl- uh, stick to one aspect of design. But um, I believe that some of this actually has to do a lot with some of the stuff that's on showcase tends to be the self-taught non-understanding or self-taught people that don't understand the fundamentals of graphic design, typography, composition, and art direction, where they're just kind of like pumping out like the fire stuff you were talking about earlier. And that (laughs) I think for most people that's sports design. But what I think is great is that like when you told that story earlier about the reasons why you were doing things with typography and the reason why you did the things with the angle. To me, those are the things that can make sports design viable with that sort of mainstream crowd, right? Because that's what they look for right? Is there a concept? Yeah. Is there a reason why you did yep. this? So I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that as far as like where the industry stands um, uh, and in regards to competent design um, and what we as professional designers can do to really help change the conversation that it's this isn't some generic hobby. This is a viable career and what you're doing for schools or for brands or even freelancers that are doing stuff for smaller schools that also need work um, is, is important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, I see it too. And I see, you know, some of the negative remarks towards like quote unquote, like sports design and the sports edits community. And, you know, one, like, I think it's great that, you know, some of the, a lot of like the, the sports edits community are young, younger guys who probably get their hands on Photoshop and they just learn, you know, some of the basics and, you know, to them, it looks really cool. And I think that's really awesome that they're, you know, inspired to do that. And, you know, that's why I, I really think that, uh, and that's exactly what I, you know, it goes back to, you know, why I post my own work and self-promotion is, is I want people to start thinking about, you know, that, that whole why, like, what is the story you're trying to tell through this? Um, you know, I think that, that going back and understanding, you know, it's just like, like LeBron James, like, knowing his, his basketball history and paying respect to the guys who paved the way before him. Um, it's the same way in, in any industry, just understanding the history behind it all, you know, how you're even able to use Photoshop and why that even exists. Um, you know, guys used to, or, you know, professionals used to hand do everything, draw hand drawn elements and all that stuff. Uh, and just having respect for the industry where like you post something and all the common sense just be like fire, 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 goat, goat, goat. Like yeah. <laughs> the best thing I've ever seen. Um, but like, I want to see, 
I want to see like the story, like why are you making what you're making? Um, and I think that that's uh, something that, you know, us as uh, professionals in the industry and, you know, I'm, I'm still pretty young in the industry, but, you know, I look at guys like Joe Bosek and Todd Radom and Chris Bazin, who I've worked with and I've been lucky to work with, um, you know, guys who have really hit, hit upon the fact of, of story, like the art of storytelling. Like that's, I love that phrase, like the art of storytelling and how you can utilize that through design to visually communicate goals and promises and whatever, you know, whatever you want to evoke emotions. Um, so even if you are making like a really cool edit or whatnot, you know, is it to evoke emotions? Is that the goal? If it is, then great. Like, I want to hear more about that in like the description of what you're doing. Um, I think that that's really what's like missing is, is the whole storytelling piece. And it goes back to the industrial design of having that design process of, of, uh, research and interviews and observations, or even just going out in the field and getting inspired by something and, you know, creating something out of that, uh, creating something that people want to see or that people are more compelled to want more of. Like I even go to sneaker design, um, like Jason Maiden, who used to work for Jordan brand. Mm -hmm. Um, he, he designed that. I think they're the air Jordan 2009. So it's when they went away from the numbers for a little bit. And, I remember his shoe, you know, it like the initial viewing of his shoe when I saw it without knowing any backstory, I was like, that's pretty cool, but it's not as cool as like the Air Jordan 1s or 3s or 11s and whatnot. But when I read about his inspiration, how the design was inspired by, um, you know, Jordan's art of defense uh, and, the, and how that was inspired by um, the sport of fencing and how there is an art of defense and fencing and then like there's like a pleated pattern on the shoe that was inspired by what you wear when you are fencing, like the, the fencing apparel. And I was like, like everything about like even more, you know, it goes real in depth. But after I read that, I was so compelled that I bought a pair. Cause I was like, that's an, and I, I ended up reaching out to them. Cause I was, that's when I first started, um, you know, pursuing an industrial design major. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Hey, like I'm an aspiring industrial designer. I read, you know, how the shoe came to be. I just want to say it's amazing. It actually inspired me to buy a pair. So I just want to, you know, say thank you for inspiring me. That's awesome, man. Actually, Jason Maiden, he's a guy that he's one of the another ones that I'm trying to get on the show. I just can't, I can't connect with him for whatever reason. I know he's really busy. He's launched a new startup, but he's kind of one of those guys that embodies, right, yeah. he embodies that whole makers of sport thing, right? Yeah. Where he's making sport, right? And he's making sport with a mission where right now he's, you know, making sneakers for, for kids to inspire play and this whole superhero aspect, yeah. which I'll put a link in the show notes for anybody that's not aware. But I really love what you said about LeBron James and kind of paying homage to the past because one of the things that drives me absolutely nuts is when I see people talk about how sports design is a new discipline. Uh, there's there's, yeah, there's no, that level of... About yeah, I mean, there's that level of people where, you know, you have Joe Bosack and even Joe Bosack has people that he looked to, right? Um, there were, I mean, Ann Osi is the vice president of design at Major League Baseball. She's been there for almost 30 years. I mean, to, to not, and then, I mean, Tom O'Grady was the first creative director of the, or the uh, uh, NBA. Um, the Joe Bosak's uh, partner in his, in his uh, uh, studio is, um, was the first, uh, the first creative director for uh, the NHL. And then there's a company called SME Branding, which... Um, this guy Ed O'Hara was like one of the first people that ever really did like sports branding. So there's this just this whole aspect that people are completely unaware of. So when 
when you hear, um, I think a lot of people just think, see, when I was, when I was younger, sports design meant different things to different people. For me, sports design meant doing like posters, um, Mm -hmm. schedule cards, kind of the typical in-house college sports stuff. Right. And that's what I was working on when I was at, at uh, IMG college. And then uh, some people viewed sports design as just sports branding, right? Like you were doing logos and, and stuff for teams. And now, and then I think now we've got this whole new generation of people that view sports design as only doing stuff for like social media. And to me, that's just, it's kind of a dangerous thing because you, you put all your eggs in like this one basket where like if social media, who knows what's going to happen, right? I mean, I read an article the other day about how younger um, football, global footballs and soccer fans are reading and consuming content in more of a private manner than uh, yeah. publicly. So if you sort of just like go all in on this one thing, what if it doesn't exist anymore, right? Because at the end of the day, these are just methods of delivery. The strategy should not be the, the actual platform, right? Whether that's Photoshop, whether that's Facebook, whatever it is, it, you've got to have something else there, uh, which I think yeah. is interesting. Um, but it's all tools, right? You know, it's, it's, oh, yeah, it's tools. And like, I remember talking with like Ashley Strauss about this. It's just like, you know, you know, Photoshop, like all the Adobe programs, they're just tools that you can use to help create what you need to and deliver. Just like social media is a tool to make your message accessible to other people. Like, that's the great thing about social media is that you become really accessible where it gives me and you the opportunity to connect with someone like LeBron James where back in the day, like that wasn't necessarily possible unless you had his like phone number or something, or you're close with him um, or like send him a handwritten note. <laughs> and I, I think it's great that how accessible it is, but yeah, like what if all of a sudden it just vanishes? Right. Exactly. I mean, it, the whole, the whole media landscape is just such a, uh, a wish-washy thing, you know? I mean, you just never know, right? I mean, look at Snapchat. Yeah. Snapchat was riding high, right? And now it's kind of like, oh, we don't know what's going to happen with it or whatever. Look at Facebook, right? I mean, people were like, Facebook is too big to fail. It's never going to fail. And then now after all this Cambridge Analytica stuff, people have been leaving Facebook in droves. I mean, yeah, you, you just you just never know, man. I mean, Yahoo, nobody thought Yahoo was going anywhere, right? And then look what happened to it. So it's it's a crazy, crazy thing to just to go all in on this one thing. And that's why I think we have to, um, as as creative people in general, um, we've just got to be lifelong learners, right? I mean, you got to continue to learn, see what else is out there. We've obviously seen the motion thing become prevalent in sports. So I know a lot of people yep. are dabbling in After Effects. Um, who knows what's going to happen with VR, right? I mean, that be, that, that may be a whole new thing that we're all going to have to deliver one day, but just to shift gears here a little bit. Um, and we're talking about kind of like the younger aspect and some of these kids, uh, that are trying to learn. And, and I definitely don't fault any of these kids. You you see some of these, some of these kids are like 15 and they're trying to make something and, and look, listen, I mean, the culture uh, in the comments is obviously very divisive, but I think we have to keep the perspective that a lot of these, a lot of these are kids. And if they ever message yeah. you independently, it's usually very humble messages, right? It's like, Hey man, I'm really just trying to learn. Like, can you help me or whatever? Um, right. which, which that's cool. I just wish that that would be more public as opposed to like, I'm awesome. You guys suck. We're fighting, you know, <laughs> uh, because I think if most people, like you said, you're talking about humility. If most people would have more humility, especially in sports, like the sports design industry is just so arrogant. I mean, it's yeah. sickening at times. And then we just see, yeah, like, go ahead. I've yeah. seen like, I've seen guys on Twitter where it's just like, you know, oh, like I'm 
I'm in a premiere right now. Like everything I touch turns to fire, like making this fire video in premiere. It's like, why do you need to promote this? Like just let the video do the, the talking. Right. Like yeah. you're like, let us determine if it's fire. Right. Because just because you say it is, it's not. Yeah. And like put like this, like preconceived notion in the pretty much just like inception. Like this. All right. If I say it's fire, then people are going to think it's fire. Right. Right. <laughs> well, you know, and one thing that really drives me nuts too about sports, and it seems like this industry is worse than any other when it comes to this are just the ripoffs. I mean, your work itself is, is so often, often imitated one, you know, um, so I, and here's what I think there's two things working against each other here. So one, like I, I coach my kid in, uh, in soccer. Um, I've become recently passionate about coaching. So I read a lot about it. I listen to podcasts on it. I study it. Um, and, and so there's kind of like that industry is very much okay with, Oh, well you steal plays from people you, you know, and that's just like a norm that, that you just lift yeah. things from other coaches and implement it with your, your system. And then we have design where it's not a good thing to rip things off. And in a lot of cases right. it's illegal because of copyright law. So it's like, we have these two things pulling with each other. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, how do we educate people that the, that there are negative consequences to jacking something from someone else's, you know, design or whatever. It's yeah. Yeah. It's so funny that you said, you know, about coaching and, and taking plays. Cause I've actually, and I, I'm not going to name any names. Um, but there was someone who was like ripping off a lot of work. Um, and this was like years ago. And, you know, I just sent an email saying like, look, and I, I tried to just like professionally like educate and I had a lot of professional etiquette intentions with this email. It's like, look, you, you know, copying off of X, Y, and Z is hurting the brand you're working for because when people see that, it looks like X, Y, and Z when you're A. And so, like, people are just, it, it creates confusion. So, like, you don't have the unique voice to what your, what makes your brand that you're working for unique. And the person emailing back, like, flipping out, and it was like, well, if, you know, I used to be a coach, uh, and it, you know, if we saw a good play that a coach did, like we would just take it. So that's really where I was coming from. Um, so like, I think it's, you know, a lot of just professional etiquette. You know, I see on Twitter too, you know, a lot of people will post their work and like the, whatever organization copied their work and they'll be like, shake my head or like, I can't believe this. And I think that's unnecessary as well. I think it's all about, you know, professionally educating um, and just like reaching out to the person be like, like, and just, you know, saying exactly what I was saying is just, Hey, if you're, if you're looking like, you know, let's say Ohio state, if you're copying off what we're making Ohio state, then you're going to look like Ohio state and feel like Ohio state and people are not, are not going to know that you are, you know, school X. Um, right. so it's really just a lot about like brand education and what makes your brand, like, what is your brand voice? What's, what makes you unique? Like I'm, I'm not I, I see, like, I'm not oblivious. Like, I see work, and I'm like, that looks similar to mine. Um, you know, and imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, and that's what I, I live by with that. I'm not going to call anyone out. Like, some people will call them out for me. Uh, not that I'm, like, telling them to. Like, I'll just get a random notification, and they'll be like, oh, I, like, you copy off of Sammy Silver, or whatever, um, which, like, I don't care for. Um, I'm flattered by it at yeah. most. And, like, I don't care to toot my own horn with that or like bash anyone. Cause I, you know, if they think that I'm doing something right and they want to do it like that, I mean, 
Cool. Well, and here's here's my thing with it. I think uh, just from an education standpoint, like you said, at, if we think about, I sort of had this epiphany when I started studying coaching. I was like, this all makes sense now because a lot of these people that are making this stuff are coaches or come from that right, sort of right. discipline. And they're used to just taking, oh, I saw this t-shirt slogan that, I, that some other team used and we're just going to jack it for ours now. I mean, I don't know if there's an original t-shirt slogan or campaign you know, two, three word campaign idea in, in the world yeah. right now. Right. Cause everybody just <laughs> steals right. everything. And like, and like I'm guilty of it. I mean, everyone guilty at one point. Like I remember I used to like look up to, uh, I mean, I still do, um, like buddy Overstreet and Matt Lang. And I know that you've had Matt on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually finally met him in person when I went down to, uh, Austin for South by Southwest, which is awesome. Um, but anyways, like I used to, like try and imitate what they're doing. So like, that looks cool. I want to see if I can do it like that. Cause I know that looks good. And I just, at the time was starting out and I just couldn't have original thoughts at that time. Yeah. Well, and, and I think everybody imitates at some point in their design career, right? Yeah. Like you find your mat, you find whoever your masters are and you try to try to do their stuff. The big thing is like when you start passing it off as it's yours, like if you pay homage, that's right, one thing, right. right? But when you start passing it off as this is my style and it's like, no, that's not, your style. It's like so-and-so style. But I think where, where these schools, where it actually hurts is, so you obviously think about the brand holistically and, and telling your story or uh, to, uh, to the fan, to your fans. And you're focusing, this is what I appreciate about what you do there is you're focused. You don't, you're not focusing on what other people think you're focusing on your fans, your recruits, and people that are that that love and consume everything it is about your brand, and I think people exactly. need to do that. And so, what they don't understand is like if you take your corner O and steal it or whatever, right? I mean, you you said it yourself. Like, there's a reason why you made that. It has like the angle of of the you know the O in there. So it's it's like why would you do that for anyone else if someone was to do that because you're basically taking a piece of Ohio state and putting it into your school's brand unknowingly. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's kind of like when, so Oregon, Oregon football, right? Like they get ripped off all the time when they did, um, uh, you know, just their helmets or whatever. Right. So they came up with the matte helmets and all of a sudden now you see every, uh, FCS school in the country wearing, you know, these matte helmets or when they did the chrome helmets and now everybody's wearing chrome helmets. And listen, I get that some of that is like Nike makes the same stuff. So they use Oregon as like, here's, here's something cool. We're going to showcase it at Oregon and we hope that you guys want to do it next year. That's totally fine. But there's that aspect where some people try to steal it. And what they don't understand is like, you can't replicate Oregon because the problem is you already have a brand that already exists in the mind of your alumni and students and fans. And and if you ch- if you try to incorporate things from another brand that are that level, it's going to cause like massive confusion, and people are just going to hate it. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, it's not. I don't think that like the corner, you know, that corner treatment with the logo. I don't think is like groundbreaking or like it's the first time it's ever been done. Definitely not. Like I see it on ESPN too, um, and they probably did it before I did. It's just you know we were when when I was meeting with our creative director for OSU athletics, Andy DeVito. Um, you know, we were looking at, I think it was, I think the company's called Grendel who rebranded, uh, Netflix and just this like materialistic, like layered style. And we just really loved like the, how that could be applied to a lot of things that we were doing. So, you know, a lot of their stuff was like vertical and horizontal. It's like, well, let's utilize 
know, when I was even thinking about more, I was like, well, I think that we should like flip it 45 degrees. Um, so it's all like, you know, a lot of just like inspiration to arrive at a certain point. Um, so like if it, if, if you want to use the corner treatment, like, like try and make it your own in some way, right? Like, you know? Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, so here's another thing that I'd like to discuss. Uh, Surf Melendez, who I'm sure many of you that listen to this are familiar with. Yeah. If, if, if you're not, um, he is the director of creative services and content at the Dolphins. And you actually mentioned Brandon Moore earlier. I wanted to actually, we had, we had went on, but I wanted to tell people that Brandon Moore is actually a designer at the Dolphins in case people heard the name and didn't know who he was. Um, right. So him and I spoke earlier on an episode about campaign work versus branding work and how uh, you can always tell when someone gets it and understands it when there's when they like understands the differences between building a long standing brand and building a seasonal campaign right and yeah. so i think yeah. one thing that you guys do is you you do both right like you're still telling the story of ohio state and there's like a consistency to it and you can you can understand that this comes from ohio state like you mentioned you can remove the logo and you can tell that this is the messaging of Ohio state, but you also have the seasonal campaign aspect where this all also looks like it belongs together. And it's so different than what was done last year. So can you discuss that a little bit? Um, and you know how you sort of uh, the campaign work needs to be exciting and different yet also not stray from the consistency and tone of one's brand voice and strategy. Uh, yeah. And one, uh, you know, the dolphins are a huge inspiration and their team, you know, all those guys like John Wiley and Seraph and, and Brandon, and I know that there's a couple others, um, but you know what they do. And you know, I just looked at their Instagram even, and it's like, everything looks so like well put together. And it just seems like there's so much planning behind the scenes, which is really, you know, the, the crux of it all is it's all about planning beforehand and then executing. And, and like all their stuff just looks so great and so consistent with the coloring and everything. Um, where like you see the seasonal campaign, you see that, okay, that was like the 2017 look. Yeah. And I, I've, I've gotten better at this as well as the years go on where like at first I was when, when we would create our like campaign, our seasonal campaigns, like there was, I tried to create some certain type of theme to them. Like, like, uh, two years ago looks drastically, drastically different Ohio state content wise than what we're producing now. But it, you know, it's, it's a, it's a fine line between trying to keep it fresh and not so stale, um, in terms of like, you know, what, what does the 2017 seasonal campaign look like compared to the 2018 seasonal campaign, um, where I don't really want to be drastically different anymore, but just, you know, tweak some different things, whether it is like, you know, um, you know, bringing in a new typeface or maybe a, a subtle new texture or, you know, the switching up the layout a little bit or like focusing on, on certain elements a little more, uh, where it's overall like every seasonal campaign, I want to feel like it's still Ohio State and be at that core kind of style guide, but lend itself to also be, you know, like I mentioned earlier, like flexible and fluid where it can evolve over time um, and have like different extensions where yeah, this is what the 2017 season looked like. Cause we also have like different messaging each year too, uh, from like the coaches that we like to run with. And sometimes the messages are the same. Um, so it's just, how do we keep that fresh? So that's what I've been trying to be more mindful. Like I don't, I don't necessarily want to veer completely away from what the 2017 look 
was, but rather enhance it, um, tweak it a little bit. So it reflects kind of a new season, a new team, new faces, uh, but also keeping, you know, that core uh, brand style uh, intact. So people still were like, you know, if I switch it up altogether, so now it's not going to be as recognizable on the cluttered social media feeds, right? So uh, it's, it's all about that brand recognition where a completely new style, now got to build that brand awareness back up again. Not Ohio State's brand awareness, but that seasonal style, that Ohio State football, you know, season um, brand awareness back up. Right. Right. Well, cool, man. So speaking of brands, we, you touched on a little bit earlier, uh, you've recently had some media coverage about your initiative to help educate student athletes on how important it is to build their own brand, especially the visual identity side of things. You and I, you and I have actually discussed this uh, quite a bit in the Makers of Sport community Slack as my own studio um, Mountain Company works with professional athletes, typically in the basketball space, to do similar things. Right. But the thing about Brand U is the, it's the first time I've heard of this type of work being done in-house as a benefit to athletes, with that, which I think is great because if you think about how many of these kids will have zero post-college athletics career or a very shortened one as it regards to at least football or you know one of the sports where you, injury is, is prevalent. Um, mm-hmm. So um, why don't you give us a bit of insight into that initiative, where the idea came from, how, it was, how well it has been received by your players and parents, and possibly even how you're able to work with your compliance department to navigate some of the issues that um, you perceived or real uh, that to, to you know, help these kids prepare for future careers in business and tech and, and other professional industries. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it, it kind of all started when I was working at the startup. Um, you know, initially, you know, it was me and a group of friends. Uh, they kind of brought me on board. And what they did was initially design a protective case to go over your MacBook charger brick so that the uh, cord wouldn't fray it or at least extend the life. Um, so like long story short, like we went through Kickstarter campaigns. We started helping other clients do Kickstarter campaigns. And you know, this was the work of Scott Scherpenberg, Andrew Lean, Lucas Williamson, and eventually Zach Friedman, who I've learned, you know, they're all my age, but they're all very bright individuals. And I've learned so many different things on the branding aspect and a lot of philosophies that I've adopted from that. So from working with the startup, uh, you know, and, and just being so like lean and nimble and wearing many hats, uh, you know, and, and getting a better understanding of, of what a brand is from a, uh, like a leadership perspective and just a big picture perspective. Um, you know, I really loved the idea of, of branding and storytelling through that and just figuring out what people's stories are, uh, how to best communicate that, um, especially with my expertise um, of, of visually communicating it. Um, so when I was doing that, you know, at, at the, you know, fast forward a couple of years, um, I had a friend of mine who was working with Braxton Miller once he declared for the NFL, and he was just he just reached out, um, you know, saying, "Hey, Braxton wants, you know, he's looking for a personalized logo, really like a personalized brand." Um, and that's where like, I'm, I'm not trying to make it fixate on the logo. It's just, that's a great identifier of a brand. It's, right. it's a very memorable piece. Yeah. It's the face. Um, but, it's the face. Right. There's a whole personality behind it, but the face of like the human being kind of thing. Right. Exactly. And it, it's like, you think of Nike and I always give this example. You think of Nike, what do you think of? And usually people say the swoosh, the logo. Um, and like, and then I always love telling the story of why it's called the swoosh. 
which was fed in Phil Knight's book Shoe Dog, and I think it's just great because it justifies like the, the power and value of, of logo design as well because it communicates a message. Um, but anyways, so you know, I, I was like, man, that'd be awesome. Like I always, you know, I'm obviously an Ohio State fan, so Braxton, um, you know, I developed a relationship with him at Ohio State. And I was like, that'd be so cool to like be the guy to design his logo. Um, not really even thinking about like a big picture branding. So I did that. And then, um, I had, uh, Gary on Conley's agent and his marketing team reach out to me like the following year. Um, they're called pilot boys. And it's actually, uh, one of the guys is named Mecca Don. He's actually a lawyer turned rapper and he does a lot of like Ohio state themed, um, songs and his partner Vizwant. Um, and what we did is we sat down and, you know, they really told me, you know, what, what Garon was looking for and how they wanted to, um, create something that surrounded the theme of Conley Island, because that was a fan driven name that he was learning mm -hmm. from his performance on the field. Now he saw that, uh, as more of like a business opportunity. So he trademarked that while he was in school, um, trademarked the name Conley Island. And, you know, they wanted to create some type of brand and visual language surrounding that. Um, so that was like a, my first like full fledged thinking about this from the large, like the big picture of like a full, um, you know, brand identity system. And, uh, what I wanted to do was really like illustrate that and communicate that. So it was like a three month project. Um, and right when I was finishing that, um, it, it, it kind of like, I was starting to think of like, I wonder, you know, there's probably a lot of other players. And then like the following, like right when I finished that Curtis Samuel, he used to play here. He plays for the Panthers now. Um, you know, he, he had a marketing guy reach out to me and, you know, I just did like a, a logo for him that he wanted. So that wasn't like a big branding project, but I was like, man, there's, there's a lot of athletes that are like wanting this type of service and to really like brand themselves. And I even go back to, uh, in 2000, I think it was 2014 when I worked for all of OSU athletics. Cause at, at one point I worked for all of you, all of OSU athletics and managed a bunch of sports. And then, uh, especially cause you know, with like the recruiting materials and like the recruit specific design, a lot of the sports wanted what football was getting. So I was helping out, you know, men's basketball and women's basketball. Mm -hmm. And we had miles Turner. Uh, we were trying to recruit miles Turner who now plays for the Pacers and they wanted, you know, something really unique. And I was like, you know, let's, Let's like think about you know, how we can develop his brand while he's here at Ohio State. So I just like mocked up a logo for him. I wasn't in the presentation, but they presented it to him. Heard that his mom cried during it because they were just like, "This is incredible! Can't believe he did this." You know, took the time to do this for our son. Um, eventually, you know, he chose to stay home and go to Texas, which you know I can't blame him for doing that. Um, but you know, I was like, "Damn, there's an impact for that." And I just I thought, you know. I really didn't think about it much until like years later, you know, fast forward to, to last year where coach John, coach Larry Johnson, who coaches our defensive line. Um, he, we had Teron Vincent coming in. who was big time recruit, um, like number one D tackle in the nation, I think. Uh, and his dad's Troy Vincent, uh, who used to play in the NFL and is now he's like number two to Roger Goodell. And it was funny. Cause like, I remember like playing Madden back in the day. And like, I remember being a fan of just, I, you know, I, I like the, I'm not necessarily like a fan of the Eagles. My dad, he was born in Philly and grew up in Philly. So I had some type of connection there. Um, but I just remember him playing for the Eagles. So like little like fanboyed out there a little bit when I heard he was coming and what he, he basically coach Johnson said, what can we do different? 
uh, what, what can be something really special? And it was like, right as I was finishing up, uh, Gary on's project where I was like, you know what? I just did this for Gary on. What if, you know, we, you know, you just present a presentation for them that showcases, like we have resources to help do this for you as well. Um, so like, you know, trying to just keep the competitive recruiting advantages, um, at the forefront, trying to raise the bar in some way, trying to think of something unique. And that's really how it all started. So like, you know, he was, he was all on board. He was like, I think that's great. And I, I told him, I was like, I did this for Miles Turner, not to the extent of what I did for Teron Vincent, but, um, you know, I, I, I pitched him on it and he was like, I think that's great. I think you should dress up in a suit and tie and, you know, come in and present this to him and his family. And so that's what I did. And I put together this presentation for him, you know, that, that really like outlines it's, it's, it's educational and it's also showcasing process and like the value of building a personal brand and what that process looks like, what a brand truly is, how I view it, um, you know, what the potential benefits are to you, just even understanding it at this, you know, at, at your age now and just thinking about it. Cause that, that's all I wanted to accomplish. I was like, I just want you to start thinking about this. I want you to start thinking yourself as a brand name and how every action uh, decision behavior you do reflects that because you're building your brand, but you might not have consciously thought about it, or maybe you have. Um, so I presented to him and his family came in, uh, coach Meyer, uh, even sat into the presentation. And at the end they were just like blown away because they were like, we have never seen anything like this at any school. Cause they're so used to like, you know, presentations of just like from coaching staff and like, here's our stadium, this is our sweet facility. And that's what I was right, right. You know, looking at. And this goes back to industrial design again, like doing the research and figuring out what could be, you know, what could, what could be some sort of like disruption in the market that people aren't doing. Um, you know, everyone, every like big program has the facilities and the stadiums and the great coaching staff and the accolades and whatnot. Um, you know, some more than others, but it's like, what can really differentiate us um, to stand out? And, you know, at the, and, and it was amazing because at the end of the presentation, like Coach Myers, like talking to him and I'm talking to him and I'm like, wow, like I'm like help. I'm like, this is like the first time I feel like I'm legitimately helping recruit a kid and I'm doing it with Coach Meyer right now. Oh, yeah. 100%. Like, I'm, I'm like mind blown through that. I, like I like left that. And I was like, I can't believe I just like was recruiting with Coach Meyer. When, when, I never we, thought- when you mentioned this, uh, we had, a, like I said, we had a conversation about this and it was probably what, I don't know, six months ago, maybe, or even yeah, possibly yeah. longer. I, I remember thinking, man, this is, this is genius. I mean, the fact that colleges haven't done this already, it's, it's nuts, right? But I th- what's cool about it is that you said Coach Meyer was in there and he saw it. And that's the thing, man. I really believe if you can get a competent designer in front of someone that knows the value of good presentation these all these coaches are going to get it eventually yeah but the problem is is a lot of times we just worry so much about these little tiny aesthetics like oh why is this cool oh because i made it cool in photoshop yeah exactly and like that's you know that's also another thing is that the leadership here is so great because coach because Meyer, you know it trickles down from him is that he believes in you know empowering others in their respective spaces and really trusting everyone. So it comes from coach Meyer, you know, like I said, my boss, Zach Swartz, uh, you know, the person who's in charge of all recruiting, Mark Pantoni, who's the director of player personnel, and then the director of player development, Ryan Stamper and our director of operations, Brian Voltolini. And even like, you know, our, our AD Gene Smith, you know, they, after like, you know, thinking about this more, like I, I had about like 30 some presentations under my belt and like the responses were 
amazing and incredible from the family. Like I, I literally witnessed like moms tear up during this because of just the effort that we were putting in uh, and trying to like showcase how we can help your, your son, you know, be more than just a football player, which is the goal of this is like, like you said, there's staggering statistics of one, a very small percentage of people even making it to a professional level. And two, even like lasting that long at the professional level. And I mean, ESPN did a 30 for 30 called broke. And it's about just like financial irresponsibility. And I think a personal brand can really help offset that. Um, and it's funny because like as I was doing this and like, you know, come, I, you know, it's been like a year and a half now since I've been doing this. And like at the same time I saw, you know, Jeremy Darlow, who I, you know, look at someone, you know, making positive ways in the industry, trying to, you know, he was doing uh, similar things. And, and I read his book as well. Like athletes are brands too. Uh, a lot of similar philosophies like that came out like right right when um, I was like wrapping up with this, with this class, with the 2018 class. And I, I received, uh, you know, I, I was texting back and forth with a recruit, uh, Tyree Johnson who's actually here now. And he like told me how big of an impact the presentation had on him and that it was one of the things that like helped seal the deal. I mean, there's a kid from Florida. So like to get a kid from Florida to come to a house, you know, I think amazing. Right. Um, Cause I, I mean, I hate the cold and I've lived here all my life. So, um, <laughs> So I, I understand the whole weather aspect, but you know, it goes to the NFL where like if, if weather's, uh, if, if you're not going to come here because of weather, I think that's outrageous. Well, not, I mean, not only that, but just to get, you know, how many ACC and SEC schools did he pass to come up? Right. Like that's, that's a task right there. Right. So like coach Meyer was visiting him and you know, his family expressed the same thing. Like I was texting back and forth with his dad too, where he was just like, really like appreciative for what we were doing. And Coach Mar was just like blown away. He was like, I can't believe like how big of an impact this had. Like this has a lot of value to it. Um, so then when I was thinking about it more and more, I was like, I wonder, and, and you know, like Zion Williamson committed to Duke and said something similar too about like, you know, Coach K said that he would help me build my personal brand for the next 20 years. I don't know what Duke's doing, but you know, I was like, I think that this is like the next step in recruiting in terms of like, you know, uh, a life after football program. Um, and we have one that has been established called Real Life Wednesdays where we bring in keynote speakers and have workshops and do interviews and job fairs and get people internships and full-time job opportunities um, that are well-earned. Um, so it's like, what else can we help do? And I was just thinking of like, you know, the startup, the entrepreneurial mindset, like own your own brand, own your name. It's one of the few things that you legitimately own, Right. So like, you know, how do you create value and, and add value to your name so people can still remember you and believe in what you're doing, even if you're not being exposed on Saturdays or Sundays or, you know, on TV, playing in college, playing in the NFL or even, you know, the NBA or whatever. And uh, I didn't think like doing this in-house would be legal. I was like, there's no way that this is legal. So I really just- Yeah, I was like, wondering that too. So I'm, I'm really interested in this part. <laughs> I was like, there's no way this is like legal because it just seems so like that is based off of like compensation and making profit off your name and the likeness. And that's like such a fragile area in, in the, you know, collegiate athletic department. So when I sat down with compliance, told them, you know, pitched them into it because I wanted to have everything ready before I like really pitched it to, you know, the, the you know, my bosses, especially Coach Meyer and, and everyone. So she, you know, when I met with, with our compliance person, you know, she relayed the information to the Big Ten. They okayed it, you know, saying that there is no problem with that as long as 
um, you know, no one's profiting off of it while they're in school. And what I wanted to make sure was that it's something that they own when they leave. And it's not something where it's like, well, it was developed with, you know, on university property with university equipment. So the university owns it. I was like, no, that would defeat the purpose of this entire program. Well, and if you think about like uh, the, um, so you remember when KD almost switched over to Under Armour, right? And it was right. like a lot yeah. of news and you, you know, the KD letter mark, there's so much equity in that letter mark. Well, that's trademarked by Nike, right? So if he left, right. that would have had to be completely redone. This is why I think it's smart for athletes to own their own trademarks because a trademark is an asset. And, um, and that's why I like with the company I work with, they're a financial services firm. And a lot of people are like, well, how does branding fit in with a financial services firm? Well, because trademarks are an asset. And like Shaq, he owned his dunking Shaq, right? He licensed it to Reebok. Shaq did it right. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, sure. His shoes are in, in Payless, but he you know, has grossing shoes because it's affordable. And yeah, good for him for owning his own logo uh, and like being the the controller of that. Yeah, and it's like, did you buy it for the, uh, you know, did kids buy Shaq shoes for the Reebok or did they buy Shaq shoes for the Shaq logo, right? Because, right. you know, when you buy Shaqs, you're buying Shaqs. And, you know, looking at this, and everything's obviously 2020 in hindsight, but you look at Jordan, right? And obviously Jordan has like a, a huge equity stake in, in brand Jordan, but now, theoretically, he could have, you know, most people want to wear Jordans with no Nike check on them, right? They just want the jump man. So that could have theoretically happened with him a long time ago. And now I think people, these kids are smart, man, and they're starting to see with pop culture. I mean, look at Kanye, right? Starting his own brand. It's all about owning your own brand. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, I mean, people can say what they want about him, but LeVar Ball, right? Like, LeVar Ball has exposed the word brand to all these kids. Like, yeah, you know, and, you know, I, you know, I hear that comment, too, a lot, where it's like, I see what LeVar's doing, I want to, like, you know, try and do that. And, you know, one, you know, we have this talk about, in the office all the time, about LeVar and the fact that we're talking about him right now means he's doing something right. Like, do I think that he's doing it the right way? Do I agree with everything and how he's doing it? Absolutely not. I think yeah. he's ridiculous, but he makes waves wherever he can. And, you know, you know like, what's, sure. Like what's funny about him, man. I, when he first came out, I remember I didn't like him at all. Cause he was clowning, uh, you know, when we played him, or I say we, when my boys, when Kentucky, <laughs> when Kentucky played him, um, and he yeah. was clowning like some of our players, and um, I, I just, it, so I didn't like him because of that. But then after time, and I started to have these thoughts in my head, like, is he just trolling? Does he really believe yeah. this stuff? Yeah. And I, I honestly think that he's just a marketer, man. I think that he gets it and he understands what resonates, especially in the social media world, and. And I, you know, now don't get me wrong. I think he does believe that his sons are like the best players on the planet. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's like probably some delusion there. Uh, you know, some aspect. Not that they can't be one day, but but I do think that that probably like maybe thirty percent of it is over the top. Him just understanding and kind of trolling. Right, like maybe seventy percent is him. He really believes this stuff, but then there's that extra thirty percent which takes it over the top. That's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got to market this stuff. You know, it was uh, did you see the better or the the big brawler, <laughs> the the better business bureau reviews for? Big yeah, Paul? and I was actually they're rated an F. Yeah, they're rated an F. As did a you business. see the one the guy like he called and he was like, "Where are my shoes?" And they were like, "You're being you're being a small baller right now." <laughs> For asking for <laughs> no, I didn't see that. That's yeah, it was like this guy wrote a review, and he was like, "I'm just trying to get my shoes before Christmas, right?" And these you know, like six hundred dollars shoes or whatever they were, and they were like, the customer service wrote him back and was like, "Stop being a small baller." 
Hey, but that's like what? That's on brand with, with <laughs> what totally is. You know, Lavar's saying, which is, you know, at least he stays true to that. And he's, you know, I, I look at, I think he is like, you know, a marketing, I don't want to throw out the word genius, but it's like people talk about him and yeah, better business real rate and F probably because of like the price point of it. Like, no, I'm not buying those shoes for $500. Are you <laughs> kidding me? Yeah. Like, I don't even buy Jordan for $500. <laughs> right. Let alone the startup. Yeah. But, I uh, struggle to go 200, man. I'm like, Oh yeah, I like commend what he's what he's doing. Um, so yeah, it's just funny that. Yeah, yeah, hey, we're talking about him, right? Yeah, so. absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Well, listen, man. Um, uh, uh, no, go ahead. Were you going to say something? Oh yeah, no. So just to like uh, cap the cap the whole brand new thing off is that you know once once we got it approved from uh, you know, compliance and everything, and and the leadership bought into it. You know, that's, you know, I got an opportunity, you know, from, like I said, Ryan Stamper, Mark Pantoni, Brian Boltolini, and Coach Meyer to speak in front of the team uh, about, you know, what a brand is and really educate them and, and really kick off this whole brand new program where, you know, it's this workshop-based program um, that is really a resource to our players. And, it, yeah, the goal is to educate them and really provide them with essentially a toolkit that they can utilize to help build and grow and sustain know their own brand and what and i'm like i'm meeting with players now going through what i call phase one which is self-discovery you know positioning and all that stuff um just to figure out what makes them like unique what's what makes them different than all the other great football players out there i'm hearing like amazing i'm having amazing conversations and learning so much more about our players like some players want to be like we have a football player who wants to be an architect which i think is so unique and uh, incredible yeah man how do you manage that playing high-level D1 football with architecture classes. When he said, I was like, oh my goodness, because I know some architecture majors and it's like, that's like the same time commitment as being a collegiate football player. So yeah. but if he doesn't, wow, 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 wow. Um, but yeah, so yeah, like I said, it's like the offerings, you know, without you know, going too much into it, but it, it's really providing the toolkit. You know, I'm still figuring out a lot of the curriculum and, and thinking about, you know, I've had a lot of people reach out wanting to help, whether it's you know, apps they think that can help that they're developing or services. So, you know, trying to figure out how and if we can utilize partnerships and, you know, really getting on like the, the nitty gritty end of, um, you know, uh, what was I saying? Of like you know, marketing strategies uh, to really add value to your name. Because at, at the end of the day, it's, it's all about that. It's adding value to your name to make you the most memorable you can be so you can rise above um, you know, just such a cloudy marketplace where, yeah, like every athlete has a brand, um, their own personal brand. Like now that becomes saturated. So like, it's like, now do you, how do you keep differentiating yourself? So people remember you. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's a great idea, man. I've said it before. And, and honestly, uh, you're, this is leaving, you're leaving a legacy with your work there, which, you know, even, even things as small as the, uh, the corner. O. like if that's, if that becomes, that's becoming a part of the brand of Ohio state. Right. And so in, a, in, you know, 50 years, if college football is still around, hopefully it will be, <laughs> right? We just never know <laughs> yeah, with, with yeah, anything. So. Um, but um, uh, in 50 years, right? I mean, you've, you've left, you're going to, you're, the thing that I think is cool with, with all of you that are working in house like this is that you're leaving a legacy, especially if you're there for a long term, right? Like there's one thing for people that pop in for a year and then they're out, but you're leaving a legacy. You're stamping of uh, an aesthetic look on, on a place in time where people are going to go back through history books and they're going to see this stuff. And that that's all going to have come from you. So congratulations on that, man. And, uh, wow. Uh, 
I really appreciate that. That's uh, some really kind words there. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's what it's all about, right? And it's exactly what I'm preaching these guys is, is leaving a legacy and, and making your name memorable. So, I mean, I, I hope too, even building my own personal brand that I'm, I'm doing something like that so I can, you know, practice what I'm preaching. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, I definitely think you are. Well, listen, why don't you uh, take some... Uh, well, first of all, I appreciate you taking time to out of your busy schedule to come aboard, but also to accommodate my multiple reschedules for different things. I, we were talking about brands earlier. <laughs> I'm good. working with uh, a former UK basketball player and stuff, and it's like when he calls, you got to drop everything and, and do it. It's the unfortunate aspect of some of this stuff, which I'm sure you can uh, empathize with. But, totally, um, yeah, totally but get it. Before we, before we jump off, man, why don't you let listeners know where they can reach out to you if they have questions, where they can support your work online, Twitter accounts to follow, uh, portfolio links, that kind of thing. Sure. Um, so you can follow me on Twitter at Sammy Silv, S-A-M-M-Y-S-I-L-V. Instagram is at Sammy Silv underscore. Uh, and then my website is sammysilv.com. So any of those, you can reach out to me. And, you know, if you have any questions, feel free. I'm, I'm more than willing to help out in any way I can. Very cool, man. Well, thanks again for coming aboard. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks again, Sam. My next guest is going to be Adam White. Adam is the founder and CEO of Front Office Sports, an influential sports business news website that gets nearly 2 million monthly digital impressions and has over 65,000 unique monthly visitors. Started while a student at the University of Miami, Front Office Sports has beat out old competitors such as Sports Business Journal to become the go-to source for sports media and business news. You can follow Adam on Twitter at FOS Adam and front office sports. Twitter is at front office sport with the O missing in sport. So that's at FRNT office sport. Big thanks again to Sam Silverman for taking time to come aboard the podcast. As he mentioned, you can find out more about him and follow his Twitter account at Sammy Silv and see the work of the Ohio State creative team at Ohio State FB. If you're interested in hearing more Makers of Sport episodes, head over to makersofsport.com slash episodes to check out previous interviews or listen to the original halftime episodes where I discuss business, entrepreneurship, and freelance in the sports industry. To support this ad-free podcast, you can join the paid member community at makersofsport.com slash community, where you'll have access to additional content such as private Q&As with future former and special guests, monthly video hangouts, as well as interact with, share feedback, and build relationships with like-minded professionals in the live chat. All community content is recorded and available anytime you join, including the private Q&As and the hangouts. So when you join, they will be there on the website in your account. In addition, community members get an opportunity to take part in the high school project, which is a pro bono branding project we are taking part in for underfunded high school athletic programs around the U.S. More on that particular initiative can be found in episode 75 called Donating Your Creativity. So if you get value from the content from this podcast or its other information sharing outlets such as social media, then I ask that you please consider supporting the show fiscally by voting with your hard-earned dollars and joining the community. In exchange for that fiscal support, there will always be ever-changing premium content and a network of like-minded and professional business-savvy creatives in the sports industry ready for you to interact with. 
It also includes access to myself for consulting advice and one-on-one meetups. My plan is to always keep this podcast sponsor-free, which means it's legitimately free and never sells sponsors or makes you the product. Anything that sells you sponsors or ads makes you the product. So nothing is technically free in this internet world. Uh, The only way the show does make money, as mentioned, is through the community. So if you would like to support the show, then please do that by joining the community. And in exchange, you get additional benefits. If you can't support the show fiscally at this time, you can support the podcast by going to makersofsport.com slash email, entering your email address, and staying in touch with the future happenings of the podcast there. Additionally, please take one to two minutes and head over to makersofsport.com slash iTunes, hit the five star, and write about your positive experience with the show. I read every single review and appreciate any feedback that I'm given, whether that's through email, through Twitter, uh, direct messages, or Instagram. But especially those reviews on iTunes are very important and they help other people based on the algorithms of Apple Podcasts to discover this show and to glean something from the content just like you may be doing yourself. So to reiterate, those of you that don't or can't support the show fiscally, all support matters. If you've gotten value, then please rate the podcast so that others can discover that value for themselves as well. I'll accept likes or ratings on Stitcher, SoundCloud, or whichever podcast application you happen to be listening in. I'm at T. Adam Martin on all social media, including Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, and pretty much everywhere else on the interwebs. The show is at Makers of Sport. Until next time, have a good week. Thank you.